Thanks for joining us today. I'm Rob Parker, lead pastor at The Plant Church. Our vision is to know Christ and make him known. If you are interested in getting connected or if we can help you in any way, email us at info at theplantchurch.org. Plant family, I wanna thank you for joining us for our online gathering. It is so good that you are with us. Hey, as we've been saying, put your name into the chat. Anytime you hear something, give a little shout out. Uh, even feel free to ask a question. It's totally up to you. We want to use a space as an opportunity to engage with you while you are home. Um, and maybe you just don't have a local church that you can go to. And you have said the plants are local church. So we want to thank you for joining us. I want to begin today by, by sharing just two different snapshots of my life as I was a young 20-year-old. When I was in my 20s, I worked at two different summer camps. The first camp was Kids Across America. It was a camp for kids who lived in the urban setting. It was probably one of the most defining seasons of my young 20-year-olds. And then I worked at a camp called Camp Barnabas. Now, what I did was, as a youth pastor, I used to bring a handful of teens from our church to Camp Barnabas to work with kids who either had life-threatening illnesses or some form of disability. This was another environment that I believe that God was speaking to me. These were two extremely different environments, but there was a lesson that God was teaching me and teaching the teens that I brought to Camp Barnabas and for myself at Kids Across America. What I learned is that there are people, both young and old, that are living in a space in society in which they are marginalized. They're overlooked, they're mistreated, they're ostracized because of their present life circumstances. And as a young 20-year-old, whether it was when I was single or when I was married and being a youth pastor, I really heard the voice of God saying to me, Rob, I want you to stand in the gap for those who are marginalized to experience the full gospel. Today, we are beginning the fifth week of our 40 days of prayer and fasting. We have talked about a lot of different topics. We have talked about the holiness of God. We've talked about repentance. We've talked about Holy Spirit empowerment. We've talked about persons of peace, people that, that are longing to hear the gospel through us. But today, what we are going to do is we are going to look into the gospel and see that there are groups of people who have been ostracized, who have been overlooked, who are marginalized. And it's our role as the church to share the love, truth, and compassion of Christ. Plant family, this morning I want us to be open to what the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us because I believe that we are called to be the church. And being the church means that we are present for everybody. Let's pray. Father God, I want to thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for what you have done from the very beginning of the plant. And God, I ask you today that today would be a moment for our church family to, to hear how you looked at those who were overlooked, ostracized. You even gave them a name, Jesus, the least of these, those who are always on the edge of society. And God, you are calling us today to invite all to be able to hear the full gospel. So I ask you today more than ever, empower me to speak clearly and in a way that we, the church, would respond. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. I want to give you a definition. And actually, to, to be uh, fully transparent, I, I've read many different definitions on the marginalized. One woman by the name of Jane Copas, who wrote uh, an article called The Outsiders of the Gospel, I believe really spoke to what we're going to be speaking to this morning, maybe better than anybody. But, but my, my definition comes from several different that I kind of merged together. Let me read what does it mean to be marginalized. The margin is the context in which those who suffer injustice, inequality, and exploitation live their lives. To marginalize a person or group of people is to put or keep them in a powerless or unimportant position within a society or group. This causes a person to lack sufficient material resources that others have, and they lack the voice to be heard and validated by others. The gospel, the gospels, are populated with a cast of marginalized men and women. They were excluded from their current culture. But what we see is that Jesus was always drawn to these individuals, and these individuals were always drawn to him. I find it very interesting that that they were the ones that were most receptive to the gospel message. And what we learn from Jesus is that Jesus invited all of those on the edges of life to not only know him, but to be part of his community, to be disciples of him. Throughout Jesus' ministry, these individuals played a major supporting role. And what I want to do is there are so many different groups of people that we can look at, but for today, I want to identify three different groups. And this is what I also want to let you know, Plan Family. In the future, we are going to do a whole sermon series called The Least of These, But our goal today is to awaken the heart of the plant church to those who have been marginalized in the gospels, giving a big picture so that as we move forward, we are sharing the full gospel with anyone who feels that they are on the edges of life. So let's look at the first one. When you turn to Luke chapter 4, verses 17 through 19, the very first message Jesus ever preached was the hope of the gospel to go to all people, those on the edges of life, those who were in the center of this world. But what I find so interesting is that his first message truly identifies three different groups of people that need and are receptive to the gospel. Let's begin with the first one. It says in verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. The spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. During Jesus's time, 98% of that culture lived in poverty. Only 2% belonged to the elite population. Let me give you a definition by world vision that they define as poverty. Lacking enough resources to provide the necessities of life. This includes food, clean water, shelter, and clothing. But in today's world, that can be extended to include access to healthcare, education, and even transportation. Jesus directed in the very first sentence of his very first message 
that the gospel is for those who live in a state of need. And I love what Jesus does. All throughout all of the gospel, he points to those who are living in poverty. But I find it interesting in the gospel of Luke, when the writer used this first sermon as kind of a trajectory for the rest of his writing, all throughout the gospel of Luke, Jesus talks about encounters that Jesus has with those who live in a form of poverty. And at the end of Luke, in Luke 16, 19 through 31, Jesus gives a parable to those who are in great, who have greatness, have a lot of stuff in their lives that are full of wealth, full of want, but who are unwilling to help those in need. And so Jesus gives a parable about a man who was hoarding his wealth for himself. A man who decided that, that when, he, when he had enough, he wanted more, so he's just creating more and more silos for his selfishness. And in this parable, this is what, what Jesus says will happen. He says, but Abraham said to him, son, remember that during your lifetime, you had everything you wanted and Lazarus had nothing. So now he is here being comforted and you are in anguish. And besides, there is a great chasm separating us. You see, when someone is living in a place of poverty, they're living in a place of oppression. They are silenced because of their lack of resources and having the influence to have their voices heard. Jesus responds to those in need. And he is calling the church to respond to those in need because God has given us such great wealth. He has provided for all of our daily resources that we as Christians should recognize those in need and say, because of the blessings God has given, I am going to give my blessings out. Jesus has called us to be the hands and feet of himself. Matter of fact, there's a spiritual lesson that we learn for those in need. And we find this in Luke chapter 12. Remember I said that, that Luke is filled with all these teachings about poverty. And there's a, there's a story of a, of a widow who gave everything at the temple that she had. And the disciples are probably thinking, wow, she gave everything away. How is she going to live on nothing? And Jesus says, there's a lesson to be learned. What's the lesson? Is that we need to learn to not live on our possessions, but continually learn to live on the dependency of God. Here's what we also learn, is that without Jesus, we all live in a state of poverty, a spiritual poverty, that Jesus comes and he blesses us with the richness of relationship with him. If poverty marginalizes, are we willing to be the people that help bring a new awareness and structure for those in need to get a fresh start? Plant family, are we willing to see those who are in need to give them a fresh start. Well, let me give you a little picture of what's going on in our communities. Both in Mawa and West Milford, they are hubs for food banks. The Center for Food Action and then West Milford has a food bank. 
Both of these towns are feeding thousands of families in the local community, whether it be Mawa, whether it be West Milford, whether it be Ringwood, whether it be Oakland. And so we see that there is a great need in our area. Unfortunately, it's covered up by houses and cars. But there are many, many people, whether it be in Mawa or West Milford. I know of a, a true example right now that's going on in the Mawa school system. There's a young student who is unable to eat breakfast every single morning. So one of the, the teachers on staff keeps breakfast in their classroom for that student. And every single day that student is given breakfast because they do not have enough food at home. And one of the scariest parts of the pandemic was, was that child being fed properly? Plant family, whether we live in Mawa or West Milford, there is poverty around us. There are those in need. During this pandemic, there are many, many people who have lost jobs. There are millions of people that are in great need and in great wants. And we need to practice being the hands and feet of Jesus. They are marginalized because of their need. They are marginalized because their voice is silent. Let's talk about the next. It says, Jesus says, he, he goes on to say, he has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see. Let me tell you another group that are marginalized, the sick. The gospels talk to those who are living on the edges of life. And every gospel talks about opportunities of healing for different individuals. But in the Gospel of Mark, it's very interesting how, how the Gospel of Mark is filled with these miracles, filled with those who are sick, those who have visual impairments, those who have physical handicaps, those who have mental illness. There is a lack of mobility that these individuals have, and there is a fear from their community of contamination by these individuals. And the very persons who are in the greatest need for help and acceptance were the ones most deprived of it. There are individuals who are living in a, in a place of oppression because of some form of ailment. And whenever you've ever really sat with someone who has some form of ailment, and let's just identify cancer, there's always this fear in the back of their head for the majority of people that God is punishing them. For someone with a disability, there, there's always that, that fear in the back of their head that, that God is punishing them with this ailment. And that was the same fear that the people in Jesus' time had. They were actually told by the religious leaders that they were sick or disabled because something they or their parents had done. What a lie. What a lie that, 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 that people are believing. That's a lie. But the truth is this. They were abandoned by their society. And there are many people who are abandoned by society because of some form of ailment that they are struggling with. They are cast out of their families. They, they are eliminated for, from social gatherings. Matter of fact, in biblical times, they weren't included in celebrations. They were brought to the streets to beg for, for money as a way to be able to be paid and then give back to their families. They were treated like stray dogs on the streets. 
And Mark tells of an incident of a healing in Mark chapter 1, verses 40 through 44, of a man who had leprosy, a, a skin ailment. And he, they, he came and he cried out to Jesus, Jesus, heal me. And Jesus healed him. And when Jesus healed him, he said, now go show yourselves to the priest. Now, this is significant. What Jesus was doing was he wanted the man to be able to show his community that he was cured from his ailment so he could be welcomed back into the community because his ailment was the thing that excluded him. And here's the truth. The gospel sheds light on a contemporary connection between illness and exclusion. Let me say that again. The gospel sheds light on a contemporary connection between illness and exclusion. I think about a good friend of mine who has a child who, who has a disability. He has Down syndrome. And it has been a, a journey for their whole family. His son with Down syndrome is, is a twin to, to his sister, and so in this, it's, he, there's a boy and a girl, one with Downs and one who doesn't have Downs. And their family has been isolated from a lot of community events. As a couple, my friend and his wife have to be with their child 24-7. And so they as a couple are excluded from meeting with other couples They as a couple have been excluded from from having times that they can go away on vacations and, and find little trips away. Everything they do is strategic because of the ailment their child is facing, the disability their child is facing. And what we see is this, is that Jesus steps in to their world and their life. Jesus invites them to be able to be a part of a new community. As a church, we pray for healing continuously. As a church, we have seen healing firsthand time and time again. Pre-COVID, during COVID, and we will keep praying for healing. Yet, there are many times we have prayed for healing and healing has not come to that individual. So what do we do? We must invite all who are struggling with some form of ailment to be part of our community. We must invite all who are struggling with with some form of ailment that, that not only to be part of our church community in our church setting, but we would invite them into our homes and into our lives to be a part of who we are because when we do that, we are acting and behaving like Jesus. That is what the church is. The church is a reflection of Christ. And as we saw with with the man with leprosy, he not only healed him, but he invited him into community. You see, the truth is this. There is a sickness that each one of us has, and it is called sin. Each one of us are, are, are on a time clock. There's only so much time that we are given, and we have no idea how our life will, will live out. Some may live a very short life. Some may live a very long life. But at some point, we will die from something. Our bodies are created with a time clock. But there's a sickness in each one of us no matter what. It's called sin. 
And Jesus has spiritually healed us. Sin is the spiritual sickness that Christ has come to heal. As we minister to those who are physically ill, physically struggling with a sickness, physically struggling with some form of disability, we have the ability to show that God has done a spiritual healing in our lives as we love them and invite them in. Plant family, there are those who are struggling with poverty. There are those who are struggling with some form of ailment. They are, they are those who are on the outskirts, the edges of life, that are afraid, fearful to come into our communities in fear of being judged. But let me give you one final one, the socially excluded. Jesus continued in that sermon in Luke chapter 4 by saying this, that the oppressed will be set free and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. In both Matthew and John, there are another group of people. And again, we see it in Luke and we see it in Mark. But, but Matthew and John really highlight the socially excluded. What does that mean? Excluded from society because of race, gender, political and religious beliefs, or those whose actions have had social consequences. Jesus, throughout the Gospel of John, we see him engaging in conversation with Samaritans, Greeks, Jewish people. Jesus engaged with everybody. Jesus engaged with, with men and women. And here is the real truth about talking about the marginalized. In the Gospels, the most marginalized individuals were women. And then on top of it, if a woman was struggling with poverty, if a woman was struggling with an ailment, there was a double oppression, causing them to be marginalized even, even further out. But there are those individuals who, because of race, gender, political, and religious beliefs, that they were put on the, the edges of life. And let's not forget about those who, who made mistakes, mistakes that they probably chose to do themselves, but, but also casted them to the side. People were placed to sit on the edges of society because of their differences. And we know right now more than ever, that's what we're seeing in our country, that there are individuals that, that have been marginalized because of race because of political or religious views. And so in this, there's this, this fear that's going on that, that everyone has become so aggressive towards one another. There is no form of dialogue. There's no form of, of engaging in conversation. There is no engaging in community with one another. But, but what Jesus did is he bridged the gaps to all these different individuals, whether it was a Greek man or a Samaritan woman whether it was someone who, who was religiously different than he was, he always engaged and invited them in. And because he engaged and invited them in, they were willing to listen to him. You see, we need to love those who are different than us. We need to engage with people who are different than us because every time we do, two things are going on. One, it means that we understand the gospel. It means that God has created all of us in his image. 
Well, then what it does is it allows other people to experience the hope that we profess. Now, I want to really highlight something. Jesus' majority and main role of his ministry were to the marginalized. He gave these people a name as he talked with his disciples, the least of these. Now, what made him so drawn to such individuals? Let me tell you why. It says in John verse 111, he came to his own people and even they rejected him. The name that, that was prophesied about Jesus was Emmanuel, God with us. God was the God who was marginalized. Emmanuel, God with us, meaning God with all. And even he was marginalized. John says, again, he came to his own people and even they rejected him. Before his death, Jesus was marginalized. His parents were marginalized because of their decision to obey God. They were poor. They were nomadic. For the first many years of Jesus' life, Jesus went all the way down to Egypt, and then he went to Galilee, and then he went to Nazareth. He lived in different places that were different from the community that his parents were from. He lived in foreign lands. He understood that, that he knew more than one language. He understood that he was with more people than just one group of individuals. He understood what it meant to be on the edges of life continually. And even when Mary and Joseph moved back to Nazareth, he was marginalized because his parents were marginalized. Watch this. Even his own disciples looked at him as marginalized. This is what Nathaniel had said. He asked in John 1, through 51, this whole dialogue, does anything good come from Nazareth? Does anything good come from Nazareth? He was talking about the Son of God. Does anything good come from that place? And what we see is that Jesus, right in that moment, did not create a barrier, but he created a bridge into relationship with Nathaniel, inviting him into relationship, inviting him into community. Jesus loved the marginalized because he himself was marginalized. He knew what it meant to be a foreigner. He knew what it meant to live in poverty. He knew what it meant to be mistreated because of his parents' obedience and the place they were from. Jesus came to reveal the heart of God, to give people a new identity, not an identity based on, uh, on their race, or their gender, or on their religious or political views. But he came to give an identity as children of God, sons and daughters of God. He invited them into a relationship that allowed them to be identified by God, by who they truly were, not as others have identified them. We see this all over the news right now, that people are being ostracized because of race, because of political view, because of gender, because of religious views. Things that I've been reading, even against the church right now, are unbelievable that, that the, tr the church has always been on the margin of society. And so we understand what it means to be marginalized. 
And it's one of the reasons why we've come to Jesus. Whether we have experienced a, a true poverty and need for God to provide for us, whether we lived in a, in a poverty realizing that we were broken and empty without God, whether we recognize that we were spiritually sick or, or maybe we were physically sick and Jesus did a, a massive healing. But then there's a lot of you out there because I know your story. I know your narrative. I know my own narrative that, that I was marginalized because of my own social circumstances. And I came to Jesus and said, Jesus, I want to be part of your community. I want to be part of who you are. I want to be identified as a son of God, not identified by anything else. I want to share with you one of the last parables that Jesus ever taught. It's a little bit long, and I, and I really want you to turn to this. It's, it's found in Mark 25. It says this, But when the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence, and he will separate the people as, he sh as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed to my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you, in, 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 you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? or a stranger and show you hospitality, or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you're doing it to me. Then the king will turn to those on the left and say, away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. Then they will reply, Lord, did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison? It did not help you. And he will answer. I tell you the truth. When you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you are refusing to help me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. Matthew 25, 31 through 46. The least of these, those who are hungry, those who were naked, those who were sick, those who could not care for themselves, those who did not have a voice, those who were put in prison. Jesus identified these who were on the margins of life and society as the least of these. And he says, 
you did not take care of them. You did not provide for them. So get away from me. But for those he had said, come into eternity. Come into life. Church family, God is calling us to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And every time we love someone who is living on the margins, every time we serve someone who is in need, every time we step into someone's life who is struggling with some form of ailment or being socially excluded, we are ministering to Jesus and we are ministering as Jesus. I know that I just kind of gave a a whole big picture of those who are marginalized. And again, we are going to, in the future, take each group and look at each group separately. But today, Plant Family, as, as we are fasting and praying, God is asking us, how are we treating the least of these, the marginalized? You see, the problem is we think as, as good evangelical Bible-believing Christians that we just say a magic prayer and, and voila, we, we have eternity. No. Our eternity is lived out in how we love the people that God has called us to minister to. To just say I'm a Christian means nothing. Our Christianity is worked out, is shown, is evidence as we love the people around us, as we minister to those in need. Jesus had a whole group and he said he's just going to separate the sheep from the goats. We think about the goats as the the evil people, the mischievous people. No. They're those who just did not step in and be part of the gospel. The sheep were the ones that said, hey, we're present. We're part of your fold. We're moving with you. We're loving with you. We're being present with those who you bring into our, our lives, our family, and our church community. So plant family. How do we begin to continue as a church to love those who are living on the edges of society? It comes back to prayer. We must ask God to reveal to us those who have been marginalized, those who are living on the margins of life, whether that be family members, whether that be neighbors, whether that be coworkers, whether that be for you teens and kids out there, someone in your classroom. I thought about this. We truly learn to ostracize people and marginalize people in junior high. Junior high is like, it's like where it all started. Elementary school, kids don't really marginalize each other. You get to junior high and something happens. Who are those in your classroom that have been marginalized? And what about people in our church? Are there those in our church who have been marginalized and you have overlooked? Maybe we have overlooked. Two, we must confess. We must confess that that yes, we have ignored those individuals. Yes, we have overlooked certain individuals because of their differences from us. Whether because of their social status whether because of their life circumstances, whether because of an ailment or a disability, or maybe it is just because they look different than us, act different than us. 
We must confess the sin of them versus us. We must confess that, that we have allowed fear to keep us from knowing and loving them. We must confess and say, God, forgive us. For we know not what we've done. We don't realize the pain that we have caused on others. Next, we must invite the Holy Spirit to empower us to engage in relationships with people that are different than us. We must invite the Holy Spirit to empower us to engage in relationships with people who are different from us, yet God sees as equally important. Holy Spirit, empower me. Empower me to, to cross my street to my neighbor. Empower me to, to cross the office to someone else. Holy Spirit, empower me to, to cross the playground at my school. We must ask God to bridge relational opportunities. Allowing people to know us and allowing people to know you. Church, there's only one way that we can do this. We must do this together. When we live in this space of prayer for us to have new eyes, confession of what we've done in the past, for inviting the, the, the presence of the Holy Spirit to empower us to, to have a newness of a, a vision, that's when we are the church. If we ever want to be true followers of Jesus, we must go to the edges of society and invite them to be a part of who we are, the people of God. The truth is, I'm going to say it again, we have all been marginalized. We've recognized it. That's why we're followers of Christ. We have, saw our, we have seen our spiritual poverty we have had a sense of being spiritually sick. We have experienced a place of isolation that drove us into the arms of God and into a church community. We have recognized that, that something kept us far away, yet now has brought us in. It's our identity of who we are, children of God. And it's our responsibility to allow others to experience their true identity as sons and daughters of God. Not allowing anything else to cause marginalization in their life. No social circumstance, no financial circumstance, or no ailment that they may be facing should ever cause someone to live on the margins of society. Here's what I want to do. We are going into our song of worship. And I want to ask each one of us, including myself, to confess, Lord, who have I overlooked? Lord, who have I ostracized? Lord, who have I ignored? And in that moment, I want you to declare their name. And I want you to ask for forgiveness. And then I want you to simply say, Holy Spirit, fill me to re-engage with that individual. Holy Spirit, fill me, empower me to, to engage with those who are different than I am. Holy Spirit, empower me to see others as you see me. Let's go to worship together.
It was great having you with us today. We do hope that this sermon inspired you to know Christ and make him known. For more sermons and resources, please visit us at theplantchurch.org.